This is a trigger warning. This episode contains very frank discussions about mental illness, including suicide. If this topic is something that causes distress, we strongly encourage you to contact Lifeline Australia, 131114. Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia, the podcast that relaxes with moderators and tarpers. <laughs> Welcome to episode 12, our final episode for 2020 uh, of Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing for the last time in 2020. <sighs> That's a good sign. Yeah. I think 2020's been a huge year. Um, and it's really exacerbated any underlying anxiety or other mental health issues that you might have. Um, and I reckon there's probably not a single nurse out there or healthcare worker for that matter that hasn't or isn't emotionally fatigued oh, yeah. after this year. I didn't realise emotional fatigue was a thing, like um, like cognitive fatigue and like mm. um, just when you have had enough like emotionally. And I know I'm at that point of the year at the moment where I just – the little things are ticking me off because I don't know about you, but I haven't had a holiday this year, mm. and you know I feel like those those moments are important to keep us healthy yeah. emotionally and mentally. And well, we had a work um, a debrief yesterday with a um, one of our local counsellors, and she um, we sort of were saying like some of our days we aren't necessarily physically demanding, but we go home oh god just so emotionally drained from mm. the conversations that we've had to have with people. Especially in your department. Especially this time of year. There's mm-hmm. just something placed, emphasis placed on the holiday season that makes it so much harder to have conversations with people around treatment options and things like yeah. that. So um, I think everyone's really, I don't know, just, I mean, you get fatigued at this time of year anyway, so I think everyone just feels like, oh, it's almost the end of the year. Yeah. Kids are finishing school and, and they're and Yeah. Oh, and who's busy? Have more social. I mean, I'm not a very social person. I'm quite an introvert. And December is like my most social month of the year. Yeah. This year is not so much. Like every other year, I've gone to like half a dozen Christmas carol events. I've yeah. Got like people coming over. And I just, this year, we're just not doing that. Um, well, we are going to some yeah. Christmas carols. Can't avoid them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. there's been less on as well. Like that's right. Like normally, um, with the group I sing with, like with the um, company that I teach with, they normally do a huge Christmas carol. I know. I was looking year. to see if they would do no, it this year. On this year, the so only one we've regularly gone to. I think because it's so big, like there's always hundreds of people that go. Mm. That and then with all the students as well, like it was just yeah. going to be too much. It's and then so to organise it in such a short time, because it's literally only been a few weeks that we've even been exactly. able to be in person, like teach in person. And um, I guess you, those things you kind of need mm. to plan in advance and that sort of thing. But, yeah. So, we haven't even really said what we're talking about. No, so we're talking all about our mental health. Nursing our mental health and yeah. making sure we stay on top of... Um, as nurses, I think we tend to... Put ourselves last all the way, whether yeah, it's having a pee on shift or yeah. going on break, or and we spend our whole to, like time at work looking after other people and you know ensuring that yeah. they're healthy. And I reckon 2020's like biggest catchphrase has been self love or self help or yeah. washing um, hands, 
Yeah. <laughs> but really taking time to have self-care. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. I think it's, it's been really interesting seeing the ads on TV for, like, Beyond Blue. I've never noticed them mm-hmm. before, but now they've, like, got their COVID helpline and yeah. people are struggling with that kind of thing. And I think um, there's been a bigger emphasis on looking after your mental health because they realise that, you know, all these people losing their jobs are killing themselves or um, yeah. that, you know, that people are suffering this year and, um, you know, this year's been particularly hard for a lot of people, Um, especially, well, I would say in Victoria, like in Australia, in Victoria probably more than anywhere. But, um, you know, internationally it's been huge, um, you know, people are suffering still even now. Um, So if you are listening internationally, we're thinking of you. But, yeah, so we wanted to touch on a few things today in today's episode just um, about how it's so easy to fall into the burnout trap or it's so easy to become super stressed and not cope and be overwhelmed. And so um, we will just want to talk about the, a few of the issues that nurses face that cause them to become, you know, mentally unwell or anxious or stressed and, um, and then what we can do to remedy that. So... Uh, we want to talk a little bit about workplace violence. So because it's such a significant hazardous issue faced by nurses and midwives globally, um, and patients are the most common source of violence that we face. So, um, you know, it can potentially be life-threatening and life-affecting. Like I know one of the grads in my year got punched by a patient when she was on her mental health rotation mm. and she was like, I cannot, I don't even know if this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then luckily we had a really good grad coordinator that was like, just go back to oncology and you can stay there for the rest of the year if you want to because she felt safe there and you know for that to happen so early in your career it would be so frightening yeah um you know and it it is common like um wasn't there a study that you yeah i was just looking up there's a study called violence in nursing and midwifery it's um new south wales based and it's only uh wrapped up in 2019 and some the main stats from that showed so there's over 3,000 participants, so one of the largest um, group studies they've done on they this. need to do more like this, hey? Yeah, and there probably are heaps out there, but um, this was just one I found um, that had good stats and it was recent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it showed that over 80% of the participants, who were all nurses and they all came from um, varied areas in nursing, so all different areas yep. of nursing, not just like emergency or anything. Um, so 80% of them had experienced workplace violence in the six months prior to the study huge um, majority of them had only experienced like zero to ten episodes but there were that's still huge i know but there were still some that had had um sort of experienced over 10 and they were mostly in um like drug and alcohol areas mm-hmm. mental health and emergency departments yeah. obviously uh, male nurses are more likely to suffer violence than female nurses so 88 percent of male nurses compared to 78 percent of oh, um, that's interesting well i think um we tend to put male nurses in the position yeah. too. So if there's an aggressive patient or a patient that looks like they might be an issue, we tend to send in male nurses mm. if we've got them on. Yeah, so true. And I think male nurses tend to gravitate towards those areas like drug and alcohol and, and mental health and emergency. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, I can understand why that number is it's up there. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of people are more likely to maybe hit a male nurse versus a female nurse. Not that they care a lot because clearly 78% of females are still getting assaulted. Yeah. And also public health 
uh, a much higher percentage than private health. I can understand that. A lot of private hospitals don't have emergency departments. They're just elective surgeries and stuff. So that was like 82% versus 69%. That's still quite high. Like, and I want to just clarify that the when we talk about violence, it's not just physical. So that included um, verbal attacks as well. So something as simple as swearing and things like that. So it was any kind of like um, uh, like yeah, violence as in a yeah. verbal or physical, so that you're not occupational violence. Occupational yeah. violence. Yeah. yeah, I think um, it's really interesting. Something that I struggle with is how normal it's become. Like how yeah. even and when I was a grad, I I was pretty much stalked by a patient, and um, as uncomfortable as it made me, I never reported it. Yeah. I just assumed that this guy was an idiot. And, like, he was, like, 60 and I was 22. Yeah. And he would say things to me like, I hope your boyfriend appreciates you. I hope he understands how good he's got it with you and how beautiful you are. And, like, it made me super uncomfortable. And I used to – and I've never had a problem standing up for myself and I used to be like, oh, come on, that's inappropriate. I don't want to hear that Mm. from you anymore. Um, While still trying to be a nurse and be professional. But – um. Now I absolutely do not tolerate it. Like I look back then and I think, oh, you know, you didn't want to ruffle feathers, didn't want to cause a yeah, problem. Of and people would be like, oh, it comes with the job. Yeah, well, that's the thing I, I think a lot of it. And it's the whole when you shower someone, they go, you getting in here with me, what? And you're oh. like, oh, God, could, would not if you're the last person on earth and we have yeah. to procreate to keep the yeah. human race going. <laughs> no fucking way. And I think that something about being in hospital just makes patients completely disinhibitioned. And they just—it's yeah. like they can't think straight, yeah. or they're happy to like have their balls showing, or like yeah. you know that kind of thing. I think we a lot of the time, young nurses especially, just think it's part of mm. it's part of it, but it absolutely should not be. Yeah. And I don't stand for it at all. I always tell patients now that it's totally inappropriate, and that I'm a married woman, and that or and then usually I tell them that my husband's really big and muscly and. If he heard that someone was talking to me like that, you'd be dead. Or, yeah. you know, so maybe not that much. But <laughs> I even when people say things like dull or love. I like hate say, it. Oh, my name's Kelly. Yeah. Like, just in case you forgot, kind of. I, do some you, I need to do that, it, yeah. but Because it's not said in a demeaning kind of way. But yeah. others that are saying it with that demeaning undertone. Oh, sweetheart. Love. Or, yeah. yeah. And even women do it too. Yeah. I think older women, not older, like maybe those a bit older middle-aged they're not quite elderly women that just don't like what you have to say or something mm. like. I don't know. It's a control thing they too. Love. Yeah, like yeah. that, but in yeah. in a sarcastic kind of way. Like, yeah. yeah. I think I need to get better at stopping people from calling me sweetie and that kind of thing because I hate it and it literally makes me cringe on the inside. Um, but I need, yeah, I'll be like, oh, my name's Alicia. That's good. Yeah. I need to write that down. <laughs> but I just think you know, it's those things that we brush under the carpet or that just. You know, I think it's sometimes it's when a million little things build up. Well, oh, that's right. Like, and so, like, straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And then you finally lose it over something as simple as, like, your coffee was cold. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it's about. Because we tolerate so much do. as nurses. Yeah. And I think it's about recognizing when you are starting to trend down towards that burnout phase mm-hmm. and understanding that. Well, you need to understand how you function and you need to recognize those signs so that you can manage it before it gets to that point of so like true. no return it actually takes a lot of work to listen to your body and listen oh to God. what you need and like i think it wasn't until i was about 25 
that I realized when I'm really stressed, I get constipated <laughs> and I think I'm fine. Like someone would say to me, oh, how are you feeling? I'd be like, yeah, great. Like I'm fine. And then I'd be like, oh, fuck, I haven't done a shit in three days. Like, <laughs> and then it's not until I get constipated or that I'll get a cold sore or like a mouth yeah. ulcer. And even Nick will know now. If I've got an ulcer, he'll be like, what's yeah. going on? Are you all right? Like, yeah. you know, and some, when, I, <laughs> when I was a student, I should have said this in our student uh. episode. Oh, my gosh. When I was a student... In my last placement, I went to the Royal Children's and I was there for six weeks. I was commuting from Werribee because I was staying with my family and the commute was like two trains and then I would walk or two trains and a tram. And so pretty much if I did a late early, I'd sleep four hours. Yeah. And then I'm working with like the sickest children in Australia and or some of the sickest children in Australia. And the the stakes there are so high Mm -hmm. and the standards are so high I've never worked somewhere where every single person has got super super high standards of care like it's incredible yeah um and if in the last week I couldn't eat I couldn't like my entire mouth was full of ulcers oh my god I had a cold sore that ran from like the bottom of the left side of my lip up to the top of my lip and then up into my nose like a full-on school sore like it was horrific and it got to the point on the last day, one of the nurses was like, just go home. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I couldn't even talk. I was in so much pain. I was like shooting um, the xylocaine biscuits yeah. to like keep my mouth numb because it was so sore. Oh. And it's just stress does that yeah. to me. I can function. I can keep going. I would yeah. never, ever fall in a heap. But my body will stop functioning. Like <laughs> my like things will be like, yeah. hello. Like and declaring then, themselves, oh, and then you need to listen to that. That's it. Yeah, and I know that now. Like after oh, years yeah, of nursing, right. I know when when I'm getting to the point of like too much stress, or yeah. it's a bit confusing now that I'm pregnant because constipation just comes yeah. in. There. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you've really got to listen to your body yeah. and know your body will tell you. Like your body will declare itself if there's yeah. a problem That's in your right. mind. Like I fully believe in psychosomatic yeah. illness, and um, yeah. you know that stress manifests in a physical way. Yeah. Yeah. About three years ago, I probably had like the worst mental health year of my life. So I've never suffered anxiety or depression or anything like that. Um, And so I would have been 39, I reckon, at the time. And I was always pretty mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would call myself that. Um, But I had a lot going on. So I had external family factors not my not my household but um like family yeah yep. and work uh i had a couple of violent incidents mm-hmm. at work where i had to call police mm-hmm. and like all this sort of stuff and it culminated com- culminated, culminated <laughs> um you know over about two and a half month period of just not being able to find any space for myself mm-hmm. Um, and I fell in the heat and I got so much anxiety that one night I woke up thinking I was having a heart attack. Yeah. I had crushing chest pains. I was taking my own blood pressure and pulse and I laid in bed sweating, thinking I'm, this is it, I'm going to die, I'm going to have a heart attack because I didn't want to wake my hubby up. And, yeah, I had a massive panic attack. Mm-hmm. And it, when I finally managed to go back to sleep and wake up the next morning, I just I woke with every fibre of my being being electrified so a touch just sent me through the room and I um 
was driving to work and I was running through every terrible scenario that could possibly come through the door. And by the time I got to work, I was so rattled. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to put on this, like, really plain front. I was in charge. I was, like, you know, needing to do it. And I think I managed to do that for a few weeks before I finally decided I needed to choose something. And I tried to resign (laughs) from my role in oncology. Oh, my God. And I handed it to my manager and she was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry. And I said, I've done my year, I'm out. And she's like, oh, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> and um, the director of nursing at the time, who I have a huge amount of respect for, came down and sat me down and she's like, let's talk about this. What is going on with you? Um, and encouraged me to access employee assistant program and speak to someone. And I thought, but I'm like... I'm okay, and mm. like, I don't think you are. <laughs> like, and I think I hadn't acknowledged the fact that I maybe was getting this anxiety daily um, to the point that it was affecting everything. So I have the complete opposite of you with my bowels, so I, it was not fun. Um, and I was trying to celebrate my birthday month because I like to do a whole month yeah. and go away and, and do that stuff. That's bitch. I know. <laughs> and I did, I went away to Bright with my family and friends and Bright, I don't know if anyone's been there, it's fucking beautiful. It's amazing. Go there. Yeah. Winter, summer, it doesn't matter. And I just spent the entire day at the brewery getting drunk with my mates and just eating and drinking. And then I went back to the hotel room and I stayed awake all night, riddled with anxiety. Drunk anxiety is terrible. Mm. Um, and I just remember thinking, I can't do this anymore. And so I started seeing the counsellor. Now, I never took any medication or anything like that, but I had to work super hard on letting things go. <laughs> I only get this now, 20-odd years after finishing high school, but we had a principal at school who talked about this jar full of nuts and a monkey with a handful of nuts in the jar. But at the time, we were all like, the fuck are you on about? But... He talked about this monkey putting his hand in and trying to pull out like a huge thing of nuts and he couldn't get it out and he had to let some go in order to get his hand out of the jar. And he was like, Talk, think about the nuts as being like your social life, your TEE, your family and all this stuff and what can you let go of in order to do the best that you can for the few things left in your hand. And I was like sitting there talking to the counsellor and I was like, oh, fuck. Who's right? And she's like, mm-hmm. He's like, got to give some yeah. And so I had to decide what what part of that I had to let go of. And um, it was really hard. And then once I made that decision, it was actually really easy. Mm. And now my anxiety is still there, but I can control it. Yeah. And I know my triggers. And so when they trigger, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And what do you do to remedy, remedy them? What's your self-care routine? Well, I need to really focus on letting my day go at the end of the day. So obviously I work in a really highly emotional area and I'm Cancerian, so I hold a lot of that emotion in. So when I get in the car, I like literally take off my name badge and chuck it in the console and I leave work with that there. Yeah. If I've had a particularly bad day, uh, when I pick Amelia up, I'll jack on like a really a song and we'll have a sing to it. A sad song? Do you have a cry? No. I'm going to put all my thumbs on yeah, she yeah, likes. It's yeah. usually a pink song. Yeah. Like, cause whatever is her favourite at yeah. the time. Um, and then I go home and lock myself in the kitchen and cook dinner and listen to True Crime Podcast. That's nice. <laughs> so, so I have to switch it off yeah, and I have yeah. to make that choice to do that. Otherwise, and I have to choose on my days off to not think about work. Yeah, absolutely. So even if I have a patient on the ward or something, I try not to. Sometimes I can't help myself after like ask people but um choose to let it go yeah it's interesting when you said about you didn't realize 
how anxious you were like and that mm. it was happening every day and I think uh acceptance like accepting that you maybe aren't doing that well is yeah. such a hard thing like um Kelly you know all about like the issues I had after I had a car accident and um I like suffered a lot of survivor's guilt and um I just thought that what I was going through was a natural part of my extremely abnormal situation and then it wasn't until I like hurt my back and I went to my GP and he was like I don't think there's anything wrong with your back (laughs) and I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> like, of course there is. I can't fucking walk. My back's killing me. Give me drugs. Like, I need something to fix my back. He's like, the only drugs you're getting is an antidepressant. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. And I was dead against it. And I think I was just too proud to admit that I was struggling. Yeah. And I really had totally disengaged socially. And I had totally disengaged physically like I was I used to go to the gym twice a day like I was super motivated um with sport and um like with soccer and swimming and uh, I had disengaged from everything I disengaged and then I felt like I couldn't be a part of the theater community because I couldn't drive and you know it was it was a really really difficult time but I think the hardest thing out of all of it was actually accepting that I had a mental illness and whether that's Mm. PTSD or depression um you know and fortunately I think, like, the first time, immediately after the car accident, I saw my EAPS person because, like, I'd said, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to use that because work's on mm, and whatever. That's right. So I used it. And um, she was a clinical social worker who used to be a police officer. And I was like, oh, this sounds perfect. What better What a, what better person to be my counsellor? Mm. And then after two sessions, she was like, I don't think we need to see each other anymore. And I was like, okay, no worries. Like, and so then I accepted that and yeah. I was, that was validation that I was well. And then things completely nosedived mm. and I was like, but I saw someone and they said I was fine and that was the crutch that I really held on to. And I think it's important to acknowledge that um, even if you see one person, you might not click with them. Like yeah. it's really difficult to find someone that you can engage with and you can be vulnerable with and that can see you and... Mm. Uh, it wasn't until I found this complete weirdo that was teaching himself Hebrew and, like, he was into all things, like, he'd go into his office and he'd be playing classical music and, like, yeah. he was just the weirdest cat, but he was amazing and he helped me so much. And I think um, it, I was super high-functioning. Like, I would go to work mm. and absolutely smash work and then go home and I would fall in a heap and mm. cry myself to sleep. And I think... That went on for way too long. And if I could tell myself anything now, it would be like, get into yoga way quicker than you did because that yoga pretty much <laughs> saved my life. And get on drugs quicker than, like, get yeah. on the antidepressants because I put that off for way too long. And then yeah. I kept taking myself off them because I was feeling good. Yeah. That, and that is the ultimate mistake as well because you feel good because you're taking them, yeah, not because right. you're just miraculously doing that. And I think people, we call it a mental illness because it is, an illness like yeah. it's not something that some people can fix without drugs so mm. if you have an infection you take antibiotics so true if you have a mental illness that's affecting your brain and there's drugs that you can take you might not need to take them forever but I think there's no stigma well, I think there's a huge stigma, stigma. stigma and that's why I think the hardest thing too was just the stigma associated with being somebody with a mental illness who was also a nurse that was really really challenging for mm. me trying to accept that I was so depressed 
Yeah. And that I really wasn't coping. I remember when you told me you started them and I was like, yeah, okay. And you're like, but, like, I'm taking them. I'm like, good. <laughs> so you like, <laughs> as if to say, like, this be like you were taking bloody heroin. Or <laughs> and I was just like, it's okay. Yeah. A lot of people take them. It really needs to be normalised. Like, if you roll your ankle, if you sprain your ankle or break your ankle, you go to a physio. If you're not doing well mentally, you should just go and see a counsellor. It should just be yeah. as normal as going to the GP. Like, it should yeah. just be um, – because it makes such a difference and that's um, – I've learned so much about myself mm. since being unwell and really um, when we talk about self-care, I think, you know, and, and the whole psychosomatic illness, like <laughs> – I literally could not accept how depressed I was and how anxious I was until after, like, two nights of grinding my teeth so bad that I couldn't open my jaw the next day. I couldn't figure it out. I was, like, Googling, do I have tetanus? Like, <laughs> and then everything was, like, the stress, stress, stress. And then I was, like, fuck this. I need to take control of my life. And I think... It's not until you get to that point where yeah. you're like, everything is out of my control yeah. and you're so depressed and you literally are at rock bottom and you think, everything's shit, my life's shit, nothing fucking works for me, everything's yeah. bad and then you can't like get yourself out of this funk because everything you think is negative. You think, I'm not going to go and socialise because people will think I'm being awkward or people, yeah. might, I don't want to burden people with my illness. Yeah. Or, you know, and then it's not until you get to that point where you're like, fuck this, I'm fucking choosing to be miserable. Were you ever Suicidal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's really hard to talk about. about. You don't have to talk about it. I just thought because we talk about being this low and I think um, like suicidal thoughts can come into anyone at any time. You don't have to be and rock bottom to get yeah. to that. Um, it wasn't even when I was at rock bottom. It was like um, not that long after the car yeah, accident. Say, yeah. And I kept thinking, why should I be alive if two people are fighting for their lives? And yeah. it was my fault and... You know, it really was pretty horrific. Um, and I used to think if I could just die, then, yeah, yeah, then that would balance yeah. out. The but but yeah. then, you know, the biggest thing that stopped me was like three things pretty much. The first one was if I survived, I would not cope. That was the first thing. Yeah. If I tried to kill myself and survived, how could I ever live with myself? Yeah. The second one was Nick because the look on his face the day of the accident. Yeah. I will never, ever get that out of my head and yeah. how much it hurt me that I was hurting him, that, yeah. that the whole situation had hurt him. And the third thing was that we had just gotten Dixie, the dog. <laughs> and that's how it sounds crazy, but she no, literally yeah. gave me yeah. another reason to get up in the morning yeah. and a reason to get dressed and a reason to get outside. Like yeah. having her, because I wanted a dog for so long. Yeah. And then it wasn't until the car accident that the landlord felt really sorry for me and was like, okay, you can get a dog. <laughs> and that really was something else that, that kept me going and yeah. kept me thinking, no, I need to be here for her too because yeah. she needs me. And um, that was a big thing yeah. for me too, which, I mean, when you don't have kids, I guess it's, um, mm. yeah, but I never, and, and that was, I never told anyone about that. I think I told Mick. Um, a few times, like I, I felt like it was really important to be open with him the whole time. Yeah, and the poor thing, like he, and it would have been really hard to do because to talk about those big feelings is difficult anyway. But to talk about them when you're so vulnerable, yeah, 
would have been, especially were you at a point where you were seeing this new cat, the site, you know, oh. so you were really doing it on your own and yeah. you probably didn't even realise. I didn't realise how sick I was, yeah. And I, and even being a nurse, it's just incredible. You can be a nurse and if, if somebody came... So ignorant to I know, and, and ignorant to your own yeah, shit. And that, right. I think this, so, it's so important that we're talking about this now because as a nurse... You can give everyone all the advice in the world, yeah. but you don't listen to your own inner nurse. Like when you, I fucking look back and like, of course there were red flags. I was fucking suicidal. I was literally had thoughts and plans in my head of how I would do it, and I'm like, but I never did it, and I would come home and be like, but I didn't act on it, and so I'm fine and whatever. Like mm. I would literally just deny, 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 like whatever excuse you could. Yeah, yeah. and then I'm like, yeah. I'm still functioning. Depressed people don't get out of bed, and this, this, and this, and um, you know, it really, I learned so much about myself yeah. and I learned so much about asking for help. I never, yeah. I've never be, ever been able to ask for help. Yeah. And even when I thought I was super mentally healthy, like when I was exercising all the time, I was exercising all the time and eating fucking nothing because I hated myself. So yeah, I know. <laughs> like it wasn't about, it no. wasn't because I loved myself. No. I wasn't nourishing myself and, and yeah. yeah. That's a whole other issue. It's, it's so <laughs> true. And, and I think now I have this full on, like self-care, not a regime because I am someone who cannot have a routine. Um, um, yeah, I have a, I have a sort of, I think routines are important and you'll find that when you have baby routines. Oh, for I, sure. Not everyone, they but just work, I literally can't commit to a certain day or time. Or I have a routine that works for me based on my life, yeah. but I don't, I'm not like, well, if I don't stick to that, like I have a fairly strict bedtime wake up routine. Yeah, because too, I need actually. to yeah. go to bed and wake up That's around the same time. Otherwise, I and last weekend was a prime example. I slept in and I just <laughs> you were in a mess. Oh, it was worse. <laughs> and I was like, why did I just? I didn't need those two extra hours. I was that was really dumb. It made me so tired for the rest of the day, and I achieved absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, uh, we had a whole list like of what we we're going to talk about. We're going way off topic, yeah, but not off topic because we're still talking about these things. Mm-hmm. But I think that um. When you need to have something that works for you, yeah, and I think and your life. I really found I found spirituality somehow, like not in a real like weird woo woo kind of way, but mm. um, just initially it was that amount of stress and with you clenching you my did jaw. You yoga, this you is yoga I and started yoga. Yeah, it goes I mean, together. Kind of, me, yeah, I mean, I've still got that photo of your ass and you told me earlier down. Yeah, so um, I think. That the stress led me to yoga because I was like, natural ways to remedy stress, yoga. So I was li- I'm was, i so bad at yoga, but I literally love it. And it just centers you. And it, yeah. it, and I've never been someone who's been emotionally stable. Like I've always yeah. been someone, and I used to describe it as like a volcano that's just about to erupt. Like yeah. that was always how I felt emotionally. And even I saw a counselor at uni because yeah. I always felt like I was on the tip of eruption yeah. my every day. And I think that's anxiety, like yeah, that is, of course. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I never felt like I was emotionally balanced, and it wasn't until I found yoga, and and it, within yoga comes meditation, which I have dabbled in. It's not something I'm super yeah, committed I'm to. No, and I, I struggle in silence. Like I have mm. when I do yoga, I do it to like um, an awesome like yoga feels yeah. playlist. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, but I think something that actually really really helped me was. Um, 
there's this woman, Fran XL, who has a Positive Pants podcast. So her... I heard you talk about this. Yeah, and it, it literally changed me. Like, the whole idea of reframing your thoughts was never something that ever occurred to me. Like, as soon as you have that negative thought, stop yourself and reframe it into something yeah. positive. And that was one of the first steps I took. It wasn't until I realised... I used to promise myself that when this happened, I'm going to feel better. Yes. Yeah. When Oh, well, when, when yeah. the court's finished... Of course, I'm going to feel better after that because I'm not going to be dealing with going to court. Yeah. And then it was like literally I'd get to these points and be like, I don't fucking feel better. Yeah. Why don't I feel better? And it I was actually remember having a conversation with you about that. Like it was not long after um, everything could sort of finish with the um, court stuff. And I remember you just saying, I thought life would get better. Mm. And it hasn't. And it was because I was choosing yeah. to be miserable and I was choosing to think. Well, I think you were choosing to be miserable. I just think you were so depressed that you couldn't, like that that particular, the end of that wasn't enough to make you happy because you still have, the life hadn't changed. It was no. just that you, you had one hand was over. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So then you yeah. had to move on to the next, but you were still moving on to the next with this level of depression that was untreated yeah. and clearly unmanageable yeah. for you. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started, like, seeing my lawyer that he even referred me to a psychologist. Like, how many lawyers do you know is like, I don't think you're doing very well mentally. And <laughs> we won't talk about money until things like yeah. he was. He was so good to me. Yeah. I, I seriously, I owe him so much. And um, it was it was a progression for me. It was, like, mm-hmm. complete and utter denial. And the denial kept going even while I was in therapy. Mm-hmm. And then it was finally acceptance when I started taking antidepressants yeah this is who I am well this is not who I am but this is what I'm going through yeah. right now and then um you know I had a complete loss of identity mm. and that was for me the the biggest struggle someone who's been fiercely independent their entire life is now totally dependent mm. and emotionally out of control and the only thing I could focus on was work that was yeah. the only thing that I could actually function at doing and I don't know how Mick and I even made it through that period. Yeah. Like it was so rough on him. So now that you're on the other side of that, well, I mean you're not really on the other side of it, but now that you've come through it and mm. you're more emotionally or more mentally well. Yeah, yeah. Um what do you do to stay mentally well? Like you know So yoga. Yoga. Something that I started doing every day and now it's just when I feel I need it, which is usually a couple of times a week. And I'll just roll the mat out and just do what I do. And then even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's whatever, like mm. even, even it's, it doesn't have to be much, but I know that it just stops me. It gets me breathing, gets me moving, and it just centers me. Mm. The other thing I started doing um, after I was listening to the Positive Pants podcast, which is actually designed for like business, but mm. I found it super helpful for just getting my mindset right, um, was Gretchen Rubin's Happier podcast. Her podcast is incredible, and I still listen to it now, even when, you know, it, just while I'm cooking or whatever, mm. like what you do. But um, a lot of her practical tips are incredible, um, and she's written a lot of books about how to keep your mind healthy and that sort of thing. And um, that was where I kind of got the idea of journaling. So uh, I actually really love journaling, especially when there's been an event or I've had a fight with my mom or I've had, you know, where something's gone on. I will literally like spew everything I couldn't say to that person into this page and shut the book and it's done. And it's like it's off my chest. It's not on my mind anymore. I can dump it and run. And it's literally like a brain dump. 
Yeah. And I find that so helpful. I don't write in it all the time. Yeah. And at the moment, I've got like a pregnancy journal going, yeah. so I'm writing all the nice things and then all the nasty things going my other journal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, so pretty much yoga and um, journaling are the two. Yeah. And then exercise has been something that, you know, coming from a place of punishing my body for being something that you didn't want. Yeah. 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 To now. It's a reward and it feels good yeah. and I'm doing it for my body, um, not against it, not like to punish it. So at the um, start of COVID, I lost my grandma at the start of um, end of March, I should say, um, and me and her were like super close, like no one got me life shaping and yeah. they had the best bond. I get that with my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she uh, just, it wasn't sudden, she had lung disease stuff anyway, she passed away. And I had no emotion over it. So I always imagined myself absolutely losing my brain and just being like an absolutely devastated mess. And I didn't feel anything. I felt nothing. But all I got was a phone call to say she passed away because of COVID and she was in Perth and I was in Victoria. Um, and I remember I got so caught up on the fact that I couldn't cry. Over, I couldn't even, I cry at freaking TV commercials. Christmas so movies. Yeah, not like, like, oh God, yeah. And I sat there and I was like, cry like and I would look at stuff and I you know anyway I couldn't cry a month after um she passed I sat down because in the October prior I had sat down with her in the nursing home and recorded over an hour's worth of audio with her talking about her life and asking questions so I sat down and I listened to that and I transcribed it and I didn't shed one single tear even when she said to me I love you and I was like not a tear so I was so hung up on the fact that I hadn't been emotional and I thought it was like bad so I got I went and saw a counsellor because I was like this isn't right and um she was really good and she you know we talked through everything I just talked a lot for two hours and she said at the end you you have such a high um like emotional intelligence like you are okay and everything that she asked me I had an answer for and she's like maybe you just don't need to cry maybe it's not your time it's not real it doesn't feel real anyway and I was like fuck it anyway so I seen her um, yesterday, uh, she kind of did a debrief at our work because, you know, it's been a big year and so we thought we'd have a bit of a catch-up and talk about things and leave things in 2020. And I said to her, oh, my God, I cried. I cried about my grandma. And she's like, did you? And I said, yeah, because Facebook memories came up in October. Yeah. And it had been one year since I had seen, like, our last photo together and our last glass of champagne. And I fucking bawled oh. for days. Oh. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, stop crying. <laughs> And it's always so good to have that relief. And she said, obviously, you just didn't need it then. And and I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to feel what we're supposed to feel. Yeah, so true. And just the, I mean, I was sad that she died. And I, like, miss her so much. And and when I finally do get to go back to Perth, it's going to be weird not, like, having her to see. Yeah, yeah. But I think um, these, you don't have to feel specific emotions. Like, even if you had you know, you went through a traumatic event and you come out the other side of it and you don't have PTSD or depression or anything. That's normal too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think everyone, and I think it was only a matter of time before something not broken. Your whole life has been 
trauma, dysfunction, yeah, struggling so, to make things work, yeah. to make ends meet for yourself. Yeah. That when you when this happened to you, it's na- it, it was, was a like, natural oh. response. And my psychologist literally said to me, "You are having a natural reaction to an abnormal, a very unnatural experience." Yeah, that's right. And that's something that I kept holding on to because I'm like, <laughs> "What I'm feeling is okay. What I'm feeling is normal." even though no one in the world can possibly yeah. understand what <laughs> I'm going through. Seriously, that's, yeah. I think that was really hard. But um, I think it was really important to listen to my body. And I look back now and I see how much I've learned about mental health and yeah. about really taking care of yourself and how important that is to be able to function as a yeah. partner, as a colleague, yeah. as a friend. And, like... I couldn't tell you the amount of times I cancelled on you because I was just not well. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And that was so important to me. Like, I just, you know, I didn't want to bother anyone with how miserable I was. And and I'm sure I would have gone and had a great time, but my anxiety, (laughs) and, you know, I guess if there's something people can take away from Oh, very depressing heavy. I think it's just um, if something else I guess I can be grateful for is that I have come out at the other side and yeah. and it is incredible though when when anxiety and it can rear its ugly head because I won't ever say that I'm free from mental no. illness like I will never say that that I'm over it like yeah. over what happened like as much as um, I can drive and, and car car stuff doesn't give me, like, the panics or anything. Like, I'm, I can function and I don't have residual trauma from mm. from that experience. But, um, like, I did my scuba course this year and had a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that I've never, ever been unsettled in water yeah. in my life. Like, water is something that makes me so comfortable and I can, like, swim in the ocean without fear and I, mm. I love it. And to be, in, cool. yeah, to be in a metre and a half of water and feel like you are choking and feel oh. like this. Yeah, literally. because you felt clutch of, oh, we're off the Yeah. No, but it, it was just something I'd never experienced in my life. And um, and it's just amazing when things can sort of brew yeah. and and then pop up and you go, oh, yeah. my gosh, that's what just happened. I just had a panic attack. Yeah. But then to be able to go, okay, I know strategies that are going to help me function. Yeah. Be mindful, be present, take deep breaths, relax, enjoy the process, enjoy right. the experience. Like there and are so many women, majority of nurses are women. So if you're a man listening, which is only a very small percentage, like 12%, but how are you 12%? <laughs> um, I think women put so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. that, you know, as mothers, we have to put our kids first. And I'm a massive believer in in putting yourself first. That said, I only started that this year and really put more pressure on my husband to, to step up and do things and give me time because yeah. um, I need time by myself and I know I need time by myself to check in and become who I am as a person. Yeah. And I don't see myself as a mother being my first role. So I was a nurse for a long time before I became a mum. And for me, I'm a nurse. Mm-hmm. I'm Kelly the nurse, not Kelly the mother. Mm-hmm. And I hate that people are like, I mean, I don't hate it. If you are a mum and that's your thing and you fucking love it that much that you would do anything for your kid. I mean, I would do anything for me. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. But if that's your number but one I'm identity. Also like able to drop her off at the grandma's for a week and go away. Like, I, would, I can do that. I'll yeah. leave the country, but yeah. I can drop her off. Yeah. Go away. Do you know, it's so funny we're talking about this because my Alma and I were literally talking about this today. And she said how when she was growing up, 
it was always the idea that a woman would get married to be a housewife and yeah. that was your role. And, like, she went to school to learn to iron and yeah, to do right. all their home duties yeah. and stuff. And because I was saying to her something that Mick and I do really well in our relationship is that we both have our own identities yeah. and we both we don't live in each other's pockets. Mm. We love doing things together. We love spending time together, but we also really love spending time apart. Yeah. And like, not saying that, you know, we go away without each other and whatever, but you know, I'm sure we could, we would if we yeah. wanted to, but um, just that he's got his things. Yeah. I've got my things. They're totally different. Yeah. Our two communities rarely meet. Like yeah. <laughs> me and Cam are exactly yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah. And I love that because I think you need to have independence within your relationships because otherwise you can't be authentically yourself. Yeah, it's so true. If you live for your partner or your children, you're not living for yourself. Mm, that's so true. And, and that's something I said to my own mind that I don't when I'm a mum, I don't see myself being solely a mum. No. I don't I don't see that for myself. No. I see that when I'm a mum, I'm gonna be a mum. But I'm gonna be Alicia. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And that's yeah. what I have these like thanks to Gretchen Rubin. I have these like ten commandments that I sort of live by and they're ones that you kinda of make up for yourself. So, yeah. And one of them is be Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't be anybody else. No. And it makes me happy. But I'm a better mum because I'm a nurse and because I take time by myself. Yes. And I love my kid, but she's so much like me. And <laughs> she's so much like me. Oh, me. God, we kill each other. <laughs> and, um, you know, like last weekend, Cam and I had date night on Friday night. And we spent a lot of time together on Friday. Amelia and I and Cam had a day trip on Saturday. To Denny. Yeah. Went to Denny. Yeah. <laughs> went all the way to New South Wales. <laughs> um, and we spent heaps of time together. And then um, we, we did something Saturday night together. I think, I can't remember. And then Sunday, we were, like, fucking in each other's, like, arguing as a family. Like, everyone's, like, stomping around the house. And I'm like, oh, we need a motion. Because <laughs> I think we've just spent, like, 48 hours together. We're all done with each other. And we needed time apart. And that's the thing things. with introverts, too. You really do need your own recharge time. Like, yeah. um, Nick's, Nick's self-care, like, regime mm-hmm. is after work for him to be able to, like, wind down from the day. He will make himself a coffee, get himself two biscuits and sit on the couch for half an hour. Yeah. And then he's literally like an energizer button. He's out the door like mowing lawns, doing whatever, yeah. you know, and that's just, he needs that. Yeah. And if I'm home during the day and he comes home, I'm like, and he's like, if you would just stop talking, <laughs> give me like 20 minutes and then we can talk. And I used to get really angry about that because mm-hmm. I'm just like a blah, blah, blah. And it's where, well. It's worse when you've got a kid because you're, like, done with that kid. Especially and you that day. Day. And they walk in and you're just like, take this fucking baby. And they're, like, just coming from their job. And they had the worst day as well. And then you're just, like, you're sitting there angry because you just – everyone's tired and sleep-deprived. And, yeah. You know, everyone wants to wind down from their day and, they're, and you're yeah. just like, what the fuck are you doing? I've really had to learn – leave him for that 20 minutes because it's so important to hear yeah. mental health and then I know after that 20 minutes he's go yeah, like he's he's, yeah. he's just needs that time to be a bit quiet and recharge because yeah. he's such an introvert that at work with people like talking mm. constantly it drains him yeah so to get that time where he can just relax yeah. and enjoy the moment <laughs> and then he can really go and I think that's going to be something I'm going to have to take forward as well but like as it's as important it is for me to debrief mm-hmm. after my day or to, um, you know, and the way I recharge is by talking. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> so oh, that's the worst. It, and, then, <laughs> and that's why, like, 
Uh, I mean, well, nobody's perfect, but uh, <laughs> that's sort of how we end up butting heads because yeah. I've just got to accept that he needs that moment and then after 20 minutes or half an hour, then I can have my moment and then we're going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Give me your list. So we were going to talk a little about nursing burnout as well because it's something that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot or if it's mm. talked about, it's like we, um, nurses are using it as a medal, like as a badge of yeah, honour kind of thing. So like, busy. Oh, yeah, oh, I've worked 10 days straight. Oh, I've worked six, 12-hour shifts. Or, oh, yeah, I did a double yesterday and now I'm doing double today or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's like I think in nursing there's a big emphasis on working hard and mm. crazy shift work and how you don't have a social life. And we joke about not having a social life. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I do the rosters. I choose to work one and a half weekends or, you know, mm. a full weekend a fortnight. Like, that's my choice. Um, but they're also – and, there, you know, there are plenty of people that want to work weekends. So if you don't want to work a few weekends, then I'm sure you don't have to. Yeah. But um, there is this sort of attitude in, in nursing that – and maybe a bit of a misconception that when you're a nurse, you don't get a life. Yeah. And especially when you're working shift work, I think, yeah. um, the conception is – got babies on the brain. <laughs> the perception is there that, you know, nurses don't have a social life or they don't see their family or whatever. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how to avoid burnout as well because the, the definition of burnout is like um, physical and mental – and emotional exhaustion, which is caused by excessive and prolonged stress. Yeah. And I know, I had three arrests in three days one time. Yeah. Like, that's fucking stressful. Yeah. I needed a day off after yeah. that. <laughs> like, and I think it's important to acknowledge that was fucking stressful. And right. to say it out loud. Yeah. And, um, and then maybe take a break. Yeah. Take a mental health day if you have to. Like. Big. Is that a song from something? Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's a maybe Kit Kat thing. Let's go upstairs. Oh, it's from Hamilton. Never mind. Oh, girl. Um, <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so, the nursejournal.org have come out with, like, a guide on how to avoid nursing burnout. Battle burnout. Yeah, so I've got a few things here. So, the first one is develop strong interpersonal relationships at work and at home. Yeah. So, if you're a lonely bitch at home, if you've got no friends at home, or if yeah. you've got no one to talk to, which I'm sure, I think that everyone listening to this will yeah. have at least one person in their personal life that they can just dump shit on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also having good relationships with your colleagues or even mm-hmm. just one person yeah. that you can be totally real with. For me, it's Kelly <laughs> and a couple of <laughs> others that you can just be like, fuck this fucking shit, yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you just need someone that's going to just spray, that you're just yeah. going to be able to spray at. And be like, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, and just move on. The other, the other day at work, I literally, like, vented so hard to someone that she was like, okay, well, I can see you're busy with that, so I'll leave you alone. And then she went, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, I believe she's so tall and, like, intimidating. So if she was venting, you'd get, you're like, I was sitting down. so scared. No, I was sitting down. It's fine. Anyway, and then one of the porters comes in and she's like, Hello, and I'm like, I'm in a bad mood today. Don't talk to me. And then one of the other porters, and like I was saying it like funny. I was trying yeah. to be funny. And then one of the other porters who was cleaning, like she was in there the whole time while I was spraying this person, and she's like, Yeah, I thought you were gonna kill someone. Back away quietly. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. She's just like cleaning this thing, like, Yeah, I thought you were gonna kill her. So I went. We had a really super small unit, and um, 
like my work colleague, I we try we don't catch up a lot at the side work. We talk all the time on text and Snapchat and shit. Anyway, we did this art thing at home. And, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was so nice because we just sat down. We did not talk work. We just talked shit. We were like to read my numbers or something. It wasn't paid by numbers. That would have been so much easier. Oh, you have to like draw the design on. Oh, wow. it came with instructions. So they were was... like five cactuses or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christmas dicks. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Christmas prints. Terrible <laughs> Christmas prints. Yeah, uh-huh. it was. Um, yeah, and it was so nice just to catch up outside of work and not talk work and just because like she's such a nice person yeah, and like she's, she's like become one of my closest friends now and. I've never, I've always worked in big city hospitals, so I've never had friends. I mean, I never, I would never social, Kelly's never had friends. I had lots of friends <laughs> that they were outside, my little group, no, yeah, yeah. but I didn't have nursing friends that I worked with. Like, we didn't become friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had good relationships yeah, I I like that. But then when yeah. I came here, I had no choice. I didn't know anyone. And you guys were like, going to fucking friends. Thank God we all get on. Forced French. Yeah, that's it. And I think, and you're right, you're not, you don't have to like or be friends with every single person at work. Mm-hmm. You have to have, like you say, good interpersonal relationships so that you, you need, you know, and that's just comes with the job and your mental health will suffer if you can't have civil friend, civil relationships with yeah. everyone that you work with. And I think, you know, that it's a bit of an untold story in nursing, but when nurses get together... You talk about nursing. Like, <laughs> you talk about nursing. The rest of us just want to shut up. Fuck off. That is a lie. <laughs> Everyone, no, I love it when there's like one non-nursing person there and they're eyes. Blow their minds. <laughs> and then I peeled the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Oh, sorry. Let's get on to the Yeah, okay. We'll go to the second one. Okay. The next one is um, set boundaries between work and personal life. So that's something Kelly touched on earlier about like her emotion of dumping work at work is by taking off her work badge and putting it in the console car. It's like that that motion is you literally mm. putting your thoughts and feelings about work away for the night. Yeah. And then you pick them back up when you get back to work. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's so yeah. important. Um, and just being present and enjoying the moment. I think we all get ahead of ourselves yeah. and we all think about the future so much. And I think, oh, my God, if I just think about today and what I've got to do today, or if I just think about, mm-hmm. and I get a bit caught up because I do the rosters at work, so I'm always thinking about, like, the week ahead or the week yeah. after that. And I think, you know what, it can just be somebody else's problem sometimes that I don't have to make it yeah. my issue. So if I just focus on what I need to do today. I spent the whole, I spent the whole week saying, so I go on annual leave at the end of this week. Yeah. I'd be like, mm, not my problem. Because I feel like I have to now I'm going to get That is the best feeling when you go on holidays and you're like, someone take me off the text list, please, oh. because I don't want to get messages when I'm on my holidays and re- remind me about work. So... That's another boundary. I mean, not yeah. thinking about work when you're on holidays. Don't go into work two weeks early to find your roster for the, you know, fuck that. I think the day before you do to go back and say, what am I working? I think also, um, we, as a society, we're busy as a badge. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be busy. Yeah. My weekends, I'm, I don't plan them. I, I oh, mean, I don't plan sometimes shit. Sometimes I have, like, last weekend was busy, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. And then Cam's like, today, just sent me a text saying, we're doing anything Friday night. I was like. Oh, no, I am doing anything from now till like the 11th of December when I yeah. go back to work. Yeah, 11th of January, and he's like, "Good, so and so might come over," and I'm like, "All right, fine, great." But I'm, I'm not a busy person. Mm. I don't wear busy as a badge, and thank fuck, 2020 is caught up, and everybody else is joining that bandwagon. Yeah, now I look like a lazy prick. Yeah. You know? See, I I find that I'm more productive when I'm busy. If I'm not busy, I get complacent, and then I miss stuff, and then I yeah. end up getting lazy. So I find I'm easier. If the tally's off and I just keep going because yeah. 
it's just I get my shit done. I just watch every episode of Every Real Housewives. <laughs> oh look, I'm up to look, season thirteen of RuPaul's Drag Race is coming out, and I've like <gasps> seen oh every God. yeah, second um, of January. Oh, I'm really, really sorry. So like, <laughs> Mom, when is RuPaul coming back? I love it. Love it. Yeah, me too. She's like, he is the prettiest lady ever. <laughs> and I'm like, I like you know that he is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um. Okay, we're going to the next one. So get enough sleep. That's pretty standard, um, I think, but boring yeah. but yeah it's it's actually pretty true that you do fucking well, better when you're because I'm at two in the morning thinking hmm did I well do what um, Sarah McKellar said did I unclimb that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that but I always, I just wake up thinking about dumb shit well I woke to a cat going <laughs> and having wow that sounded so weird in my ears <laughs> I apologise for that noise <laughs> that was a lot <laughs> it was a lot at four o'clock in, in the morning when I see a cat having a fucking seizure so <laughs> Anyway, she'll be hopefully she'll be okay. Never know. We might come back in February and I'm having a funeral for a kid. Anyway, I say that uh, I say that really cold heartedly, but I was fucking in tears yesterday over her. So she was just crying in the floor like a baby. Yeah, give it medicine. So she she loves it. Seriously, I'm preparing for motherhood. Let's hope my child doesn't have a disability because it's fucking hard work. I'm shout out to all the parents of kids with disabilities because even a 500 gram kitten is hard work. Um, the next one is care for your physical and mental health, which we've obviously yeah. talked about. I think we didn't really touch on exercise, but I do find, and I know you used to walk around that little cute little memorial garden, didn't you? Like oh, just the bush trap. trap. Yeah, just that little trap. That, yeah, it's, it's so cute. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think exercise is important. Um, I know I get way better sleep when I'm exercising. Yeah. Um, and even if it's just gone for a walk, I walk the dogs because I'm feel guilty when I don't yeah. and I actually listen to podcasts and stuff when I walk now too which yeah. is nice because that, that kind of self-care moment that we all need um, and the last one is um, use your employee assistance program oh. and, and yeah. get therapy if, if the self-care stuff isn't working every every nurse employed in Australia has access to the employee assistant program and it's fucking free free and you use it. most of the time if you need more than three sessions they'll just give it to you yeah and at the end of the day if you're not coping you can go to a GP and get a mental health care plan and get your 10 free sessions yeah. and you just keep going back to get your mental health care plan and I think there's a huge injection of funding into mental well, this health this year I think back up the number because of 2020 yeah actually I mean, I haven't researched that, but I'm pretty sure they've up the number. Yeah, well, there's, um, they've put a huge amount of money into yeah. um, mental health services, and I think, you know, take advantage of, like, take help, get help when you need it, and, yeah. you don't, and I think we talk so much about it, but it's not, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you're not managing. And, and reach out to people that are safe. If yeah. your nurse manager is a safe person, um, if you can't reach out to family and friends, like, find someone at your work that you might be able to connect with who can help put you on that right and I think if you find somebody like I know um you know Kelly and I are pretty open about our like mental struggles and how we're going like yesterday yeah. I'm like oh, I really just needed a mental health day and Kelly was like by the end of the day she messaged me like seeing if I was okay and I know that I can be open with you about yeah. how I'm going emotionally and like I've got another friend who had like postnatal depression mm. and I know that I can talk to her totally openly and she can talk to me and it's yeah. just a really nice feeling knowing that they're going to understand yeah. and knowing that they're going to, like, be happy to talk to you about yeah. it. And, yeah, I think finding people who have had similar struggles is important as well. And I'm not sure if um, if there's very many people out there these days who haven't had some kind of so mental true. 
illness of some sort, whether it's as, as small as just a small amount of anxiety or as big as something is that you, mm. you know, you experience. But I think um, that if you reach out to someone, no matter who it chooses to be, if you're at that point where you are desperate or you are suicidal, I'll oh, just reach out to anyone, literally anyone, and tell them so that you can be helped. I think this email, um, email, you can text Lifeline and Beyond Blue. They have text lines. You can jump online and have online con- If you yeah, don't want to talk on the phone to yeah. them, if you, you know, there's other ways and means these days. There's even um, like online counselling services that you can access. I will just say I never, ever thought that I would be someone who would call Lifeline. And I called them once mm. because I was absolutely hysterical because my psychologist, I, I was due to see my psychologist the day before I was going to court mm. and he had to cancel because he was sick. Turned out, I think he had a heart attack or something. It was really bad. Yeah. yeah, but he's okay now, I think. I think he's okay now. <laughs> um, so I rang them not thinking that they were even going to be able to help me. Yeah. I was just like, I can't call Mick. I can't dump this on him because yeah. he's been through so much with me. And I just literally, I, I was like hysterically howling and crying and like pacing the house, mm. not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. And then I was like, fuck it. I'll just ring them. I don't care. I've like got nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, exactly. And so I rang them and the woman was incredible. Shout out to Lifeline workers because fuck yeah, me, this woman job. saved me. I was like literally on the ledge and she was like, he didn't do those things for you. Your psychologist didn't get you through this. Mm. He didn't do that for you. You did that. Yeah. That was you. That was all you. Like he didn't hold your hand and, and help you across the road. Like he was, he just supported you yeah. to do it yourself. She was like, you've done this yourself. Yeah, and you can do it tomorrow. You're yeah. gonna be okay. And I was like, I feel so sorry for me. Thank you so much. And yeah. you know, it really did make a huge difference. And I, I swear, black and blue, that yeah. if anyone, even if it's not, even if you're not hysterical like I was that day, yeah. even if you're just crying or you're feeling like you don't know what you're gonna do, or you literally feel like you have absolutely no one in your life to talk to. Yeah, if you feel that isolated, and whether that's self-imposed isolation or actual isolation, so you don't have anyone. Oh, just call them. Just ring them because they they're just gonna sit there and listen to you, and maybe they will tell you something that will help to get yeah. you through that next yeah. day. And if you have to call them next day, call them next day. And guaranteed, you will not feel worse when you get off the phone. No, I'm no. pretty sure they. I don't think put that anyone's ever told someone something that you know, about their mental health or how they're feeling or if they're feeling depressed and that person's just gone, oh, shut up. Or <laughs> maybe just picky people. But, yeah. you know, like I think even if you reached out and you're at your worst, yeah. someone's going to do something for you. Yeah. And just ask for help is like the main thing I want to get across. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Because everybody needs help sometimes. And there's going to be a time where you're going to be able to help somebody else. Yes. And I, I have this thing, I have sort of learned a lot of my self-care behavior has been learned behavior but one of them one of the things I think about like kind of like a mantra is talk to yourself how you would talk to your best friend yeah because you would never tell your best friend shut the fuck up you useless bitch yeah. you would never say that oh god you look so fat today oh well, you would do that yeah you wouldn't well, you eat that stop eating that yeah like oh, those kinds of hate talk yeah yeah 
you, if you wouldn't say that to your best friend or, you know, your partner, it's so damaging. why would you say it to yourself? Yeah. And I think about, I was reading something, I Breathe Magazine is something that changed my life. I would highly recommend Breathe Magazine because it, um, it said something in an article one day that was like, little girls aren't born hating themselves. Yeah. Little girls aren't born with low self-esteem. <laughs> little girls are born, like my friend's little girl would be here and I'd be like, let's make cupcakes. She'd be like, okay, you um, you do like do the mixing and I'll put the icing on. And she'd be like, I'm really good at putting the icing on. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you are. And it's like, okay, when you're five, yeah. you think you are the fucking bomb. You think you are good at everything. You think you're going to be a famous dancer. You think you are going to be, like, you think you're going to be a singer. You think you're going to be on, like, you're going to be singing at the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. you th- that is literally what you think of yourself when you were that age. I mean, you've met my kid. Yeah. She is going on eight, and she thinks she's the best thing in this world. And I have struggled my entire life with uh, weight. And not, I don't have self-esteem issues, surprisingly. I'm surprised I don't. But, um, and I had made a conscious effort to, like, I remove scales from our house because I did not want my daughter standing on a scale. Yeah. And I, she will, uh, she looked like, she fucking loves herself. Yeah, I love it. She will put her outfit on and she will come out and she'll be like, mm, I'm banging. so good in this. Yeah. And she'll put her bathers on and she'll be like, I look great in this. And I've really struggled, not struggled, but the last couple of years I've been really conscious of going to the pool and getting in the water yeah. and wearing my bathers and not... Talking, and I'm always naked around the house. Like, mm-hmm. It's just how we are I as a family. Yeah. And she sees me and she looks me up and down. I think, what are you going to say? What are you thinking? thinking? Yeah. And she never comments on. I mean, a couple of times she said, oh, mum, you're like, you're And I said, we don't talk about people's appearance. Like, yeah. you can tell someone they look beautiful, mm-hmm. but we talk about what people do because it's what people do and how they make you feel that matter. Yeah, that's so good. And so we don't talk about appearance. Negative appearance. Yeah, yeah. And I think. To boost that self-esteem that, um, you know, I might not have got, I didn't get that support from my mum. Mm, absolutely. Up, so. And I think it's it's those things. It's that, it's that society happens. Yeah. And the media happens. And then, um, you know, peer pressure happens. Yeah. And then little girls stop believing how incredible they are. And little girls get eating disorders yeah. at 8, 9, 10 yeah. because of this. Oh, I mean, my kid watches YouTube. She, she knows mm. all the names of all of the famous YouTubers. I mean, yeah. no Hannah Montana these days. Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, if you want to pass self-care on to your kid, like do a face mask with them. Mm. To learn, get, teach them to learn to love themselves Absolutely. and love them and talk about yourself in a positive way in front of you. Yeah, so true. Like we talk about what our bodies can do and she can dance and she might not be the best dancer out there, but my God, she's front and centre and she fucking loves Passionate. it. So, yeah. Exactly. And I think, it, yeah, so it's that negative self-talk. And then also, like, if somebody gives you a compliment, it's so, like, how many times has have you told someone, shit, your hair looks good today? And they go, oh, no, I need to wash. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Give me your compliment. Mm. Say thanks. Say thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I'm glad somebody thinks my hair yeah. looks good today. Like, it's that whole um, self-deprecating thing that's kind of cool. It's such a positive thing to do. It's so shit. I can't stand it now, and I I like have to. And this is part of part of being mentally well is making a conscious effort to tell myself good fucking things. I have like I just downloaded these awesome like pregnancy mantras. That's like my 
body was made to birth my baby. And, like, I sit there on the toilet sometimes and I'll read them out loud and be like, and then it's like, you know, there's all these mantras that I say just because I fully, fully yeah. want to believe them and yeah. I will manifest them into yeah. existence. Like, And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at the end of the day, I've tried and I'm in a better mindset for yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think all this stuff, if we round it out, it comes uh, to a word that um, was mentioned yesterday and it's like intention. Mm-hmm. So intentional thoughts, putting things out there that, you know, to have a positive intention in your life. And she's like, what do you intentionally do to make your thing, like your life better? And I thought, and it's resonated so much over the last 24 hours, that word. And everything that we've talked about today, intention plays that huge role in. So I think like going into 2021, I'm going to literally play that word. Like that's going to be my word for the year and to live 2021 with a year of intention and doing things that make, intentionally make me happy or make me feel safe Mm -hmm. or make other people like when I'm around other people I want other people to be happy and laugh and I like I want to live with that live with intention I love that that is awesome and you know at the start of a lot of yoga practices you think of an intention for your practice and um for such a long time mine was forgiveness because I find it so challenging forgiveness is one of the hardest things to ever learn how to do Mm. and you know I totally agree with you that intention is such an important part because think about how much we do that is thought loss yeah and it's my life just in dumb shit and this is you know it took me a long time to realize that my car accident was a result of inattention Mm. and was a result of autopilot yeah and was because I was letting my life fly by me yeah. without intention. Yeah. So that has, yeah, you've, you've yeah. changed my life, Kelly. Oh, <laughs> my rules, yeah. I just think it's important to set, like I don't set, um, uh, what do you call them, New Year's resolutions mm. because I break them like within the first 24 hours. Okay. <laughs> but next year I'm going to live with this intent. This year I had really focused on, like finding myself and making, and then 2020 just kind of went to the shit. I said, yeah. I just did face masks and listen to podcasts and started a podcast. And yeah. <laughs> and so next year I'm going to make everything I do have meaning. It doesn't have to be big meaning. I love that. little meaning and I'll just get on with it and hopefully we could be doing this episode at next year at the end of the year and be like, what an amazing year. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had one million downloads. Yeah. <laughs> We've been endorsed by Travel Woo! <laughs> and who gives a crap is sponsoring us? Yes, and we've got here a no pom deodorant. <laughs> We're gonna manifest being famous next year. Manifest. Oh, nah, I don't know. Yeah, me too. I mean, you can be famous for something else. Be, what? Like for your singing oh, and your acting and stuff. No, can't be bothered. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> Maybe after you I don't know. Anyway, we'll be like CR. I'll wear a wig everywhere and cover my face. I'll be like Gaga. Just go fucking mental. Wear a meat dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. I have all the dogs. Oh, God, we've gone, how long have we gone? We've gone for hours. We, so this has been our longest <laughs> episode ever. And we're not going to cut it. We're going to leave it long and, and just hope that if you just tune in and out, if you can't listen to us in all one go, skip forward. Kelly will check the stats and be like, um, 300 <laughs> people left after half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, thanks for listening to the very last episode for 2020 of Two Humorous Nurses. I hope you feel calm, relaxed, and full of intent. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us for our first season of Two Humorous Nurses. We really have had so much fun. I think it's been great for our mental health yeah. to like have these debriefs and to have forced yeah. catch-ups because Kelly was like, when are we catching up? What stupid shifts are you working? We just can't wait to see what's going to happen in 2021, especially with the podcast and um, baby. Oh my god! Literally, I thought about the other day. I'm like, oh my god, three and a half months, and we're gonna have a child. Don't have enough time wrangling her dogs to do this. We're gonna do the crime. I'm gonna have to leave the kid here. I'm gonna come to you. Alicia, thank you for being the amoxicillin to my clavulanic acid. I really, I'm gonna compile. I'm going to compile an audio clip. I'm going to have so much time over Christmas break. I'm going to compile an audio clip of all of the things I've had to cut out of Kelly in 12 episodes. It's literally like, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. let me try that again. I'm I love it. It kills me. kills me when we're editing, but stop. Anyway. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> For being the badge pack to my hysterectomy. <laughs> oh, we'll get the student to remove it tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, as always, don't forget to subscribe. And given it's the last one of the year, leave us a review. Yeah, come write on. something down. Come on, pull your finger stars. out, fuckers. And um, <laughs> let's see if we can get, like, in the top 50. 57 is as we made on the chart. We need like heaps of downloads to get to like in the 50s. Yeah. That would be amazing. And could you not all listen on a Wednesday? Could you like stagger it out during the week? Because then we'll stay in the charts. We seem to hit the charts every Wednesday and then fall out. So come on, people. So, I mean, maybe charts in New Zealand. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to celebrate that. We need to see. Um, Actually, another one of my little uh, self care tips is celebrate every little yeah. achievement. Um, so. And everyone has listened to us all over the world. Like we've had listeners in the most random of places. The latest one to pop up is South Africa. Not that it's a random place, but we've um yeah, thanks love to South Africans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find us on Instagram at the usual at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast and email us your topic suggestions. So send us in some. I don't know, anything, questions. And whatever you want to hear in 2021, yeah. we are open. What do you want to hear? I'm going to have a year off next year, so I'm going to have plenty of time to research. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm going to have a freaking screaming new one. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we can't wait for it. To, <laughs> See? Can't wait to hear from you. I'm not even going to cut that out. This is, oh, it's no. going to be in. Anyway, I'm not going to bloody do it. I hate you. There we are. US. <laughs> <laughs> this is at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.